This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? everybody and welcome to for the love of paul mcgrath podcast with neil again today i don't have patty it's a monday morning and i don't have patty but i do have the fantastic Stephen from advil analytics you said you liked him you said you wanted him back and we've been efforting an awful lot but obviously this uh this crazy world we're living in at the moment uh, schedules didn't tie in but i'm delighted to have uh steven from advil villa analytics back again and he's going to take you down through some of the some of the good stuff i think from aston villa's start to the season today but before we get into that how are you doing Stephen? how is life treating you at the moment i'm doing very well aston villa are making me a lot better uh, it's, it's going good yeah, I, I, you know what it is? It, it feels different, doesn't it? It feels different when you've got this kind of, uh, I'm going to call it an unexpected confidence within, within this team and the way that it's playing. It, it does, make, uh, does make certain things better. You know, I'm, I'm overlooking if my coffee is a small bit colder in the morning. I'm overlooking things like that. You know, these little things that might have got under my skin because I know that I've got something to look forward to in Leicester in in, in what, uh, I think it's now moved to a Sunday night, so we've got, what, Leicester in, in, in six days' time, I think it is, 
and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just buzzing. I, I I can't get enough of Aston Villa games at the moment, to be honest with you. Um, and what I suppose really like Villa have they've passed the eye test at the start of this this season, Stephen. And what what's your own views on on watching it? Obviously, we're we're all delighted about the uh, about the product Villa are putting out in the field. But what's your own views on it? And what 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 are you seeing? And what what are you liking from Aston Villa from the Aston Villa of 2020? Well, I think first and foremost, going forward, we look like a completely different side to how we looked the back end of last season. I think we've retained that defensive solidity that we managed to pick up over the course of last season. Obviously, we started off last season conceding goals for fun, uh, but showed it up. But last season, especially after the uh, pause in the season, um, I thought it was the attack that was letting us down. Uh, we weren't creating enough. We weren't scoring enough. But now with um, obviously Ollie Watkins, uh, Ross Barkley, um, Troy coming off the bench, I think we just look a completely different side going forward, especially against Liverpool. Pretty much every time we get the ball, I thought we were going to score. And that's since what the best defence in England last season. Uh, so it's, it's just... It all seems to be working at the minute. I think that's that's actually a great word to use, working. And it's not just that the system is working, it's that everybody seems to be working within that system. And, you know, we talk about, you're, you're called Villa, Villa Analytics. You like to work in, in an area of sample sets and stuff like that. And, and, and I think the statistical data or whatever, we might get onto it in a moment, but it's a small sample set that we have of four games. But the four games have been, each game has been different. And uh, each game has, you know, it's uh, the, the three games, I think it is. But uh, each game has been different and each game has uh, has thrown up its own spanner in the works. Even if you look at the uh, if, if you look at the Sheffield United game going going up against 10 men who packed the bus early, we managed to grind out a win there like that had nil all written all over it or probably mm. one nil when when Sheffield United got the penalty. Then you've got <laughs> we've got Fulham. We were in the situation whereby. We scored a goal early and Villa of the 2019-2020 season when they score a goal, score a goal, Jesus Christ, score a goal early. No, that's better. When they score a goal early, um, they usually concede two and end up losing 2-1. And it's the hope that kills you kind of a moment. But we didn't. We pushed on. We got more goals. And then against Liverpool, doesn't even mean like, like that's just an absolute outlier and anomaly altogether 7-2 against the best team in Europe last year well probably the second best team in Europe um, and when you say it's working it is it's working in different ways but the team is working finding areas to, to I suppose to capitalise on on, um, on the opponents itself and and you mentioned uh, you you know you mentioned guys like like uh, Watkins and and Ross Barkley and Traore but also I think Matty Cash has been a huge huge influence there what's your views on cash since he came into the team uh, a lot of people i suppose were kind of wondering you know freddie goodbear seems to be number three in the pecking order now but uh if matty cash keeps on playing the way he's playing i i think it's a fully fully justified uh, 18 million and and selection point for him but what, what are your views on matty cash and what do you see he brings to the team yeah i think it's an interesting one with cash um i i, I thought he was pretty good um when he was arriving, obviously Forest fans spoke very highly of him, but I don't think I realised how good he actually was. Um, I was very firmly against the decision uh, to drop Gilbert from the side. I think 
Freddie Gilbert is absolutely fantastic. I think cash is something quite different and I wouldn't be against using Gilbert against some more attacking sides where we're going to be penned back a bit more. Um, and I do think Gilbert should be on the bench out of Elmhamony. But with cash, he seems to have that attacking ability um, that we get with Elmhamony where he can get forward, he can create, he can cross um, without sacrificing the defensive side of the game. I think he's excellent um, on the transition. He's very quick to get up and down the line. Um, and I also really like the height that he offers. Um, I think it gives us an extra out ball from Martinez. He can just clip it out to Cash to head it back into the midfield. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really pleased with how it's going with him. Um, it'll remain to be seen if he can keep that up, obviously. But if he does, then I'd, I'd be more than happy with the signing. And are you one of these guys, Stephen, that, that kind of gets bogged down in transfer fees? Like Matty Cash, a lot of people were saying 18 million for a right back from the championship who hasn't proven it at any decent level. One, one year in the championship at right back and people kind of said that he was naive defensively. Are you one of these people that looks into transfer fees or is it a case of if he's your, if he's your guy, go get him in this world of never-ending funds that the Premier League seems to have generated now? Well, I, th- I think it's all relative. Obviously, if you're a... Uh... If you're a mid-table championship club, then transfer fees are massively important. You've got to manage your budget. You've got to manage the way you spend your money. But with the situation Villa are in at the minute, with the amount of money our owners have, I don't even really think money is the limiting factor. So uh, I think really the limiting factor with who we can bring in in the market is just our pulling power and who we can convince to join. Mm. Um, I think... We seem to have more money than we can possibly spend. Um, you know, we went and dropped 30 million on Ollie Watkins. Um, and no, to be honest, to, to answer your question shortly, no, I'm not <laughs> someone who looks into it. Yeah, I don't think I am either. Well, it's, as I always say, I'm a Villa fan and I retain the right to be fickle and to change my opinion at any given time. That is your born, God-given right as an Aston Villa fan. And it's your God-given right to be able to do that. But uh, at this moment in time, as I always say, um, I, I'm not really too concerned. We're, we're at an ebb whereby we need to spend money to, to revolutionise what this club is seen as the type of player that we can bring in and the style and the, and the structure that we want to bring to this club. So like spending 18 million and right back, if he's the right man, bring him in. If he's the guy that you think can, can work, bring him in. We, we're in the position whereby we're an underachieving club over the last four or five years, six, seven, Jesus, we can nearly say a decade. We're an underachieving club. And if we have to pay over the odds to get men in and get uh, players in to, to, to play for our club that we know are going to push us on, I, I think that's just the, the, the downside of underachieving. Um, that won't always be the case, as success breeds intrigue, and intrigue breeds uh, a want to play for the club. And as we see with Liverpool, you think back 10, 12, 13 years at Liverpool when they were playing Roy Hodgson, um, and they were overpaying for players like Paul Konchesky and, 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 and so on, the likes of those players. You know, who would have thought that they would have revolutionised their club? And, and brought it to the heights they brought it to now because that was a low ebb for, for that club but new owners new new foresight and new I suppose new vision towards towards the future kind of change and I feel that that's where Aston Villa are now at the moment um, 
looking looking at the, the statistical side, we spoke very much there from the heart and the opinion side of what's going on there. But from the statistical side, Stephen, is there anything that Aston Villa are kind of uh, are really excelling at? You know, um, that, that maybe isn't as apparent as as the product that we see on the field. Well, w- one thing that I'd say we're excelling at at the minute is finishing. Um, I think especially Liverpool, um, we had just, just over three expected goals and seven actual goals. Um, a couple of deflections helped us on our way. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in terms of statistically, if you had to pinpoint one thing that we're doing better, it's definitely that we're creating more chances than ever before. Um, towards, the, towards the back end of last season, uh, if you looked at our expected goals and our expected goals against game by game, um, we weren't conceding many chances. We had low numbers against, but our numbers four were equally as low. Um, but so far this season, uh, we've won all three games based on the XG. Um, we sat quite healthily um, in the positive expected goal difference. Um, and again, our actual goal difference is quite a lot better than our expected goal difference. But that's natural. Um, when, you, when you win three from three, it's impossible to, to, match, um, to match it with expected goals because there is always some chance that you lose the game, obviously. Mm. That's interesting. That's interesting. I suppose the the formulaic, uh, I suppose equations and the and the, the models that are used to build out these these statistics don't take into account that, albeit fantastic feeling of being Liverpool seven two, it is an absolute outlier moment. Like that's putting a man in the moon moment, really. Like you know, you, it's something that you, you you think might happen, but you never fully expect it to happen until it actually happens. You know, and I, I would imagine that that that's like a million to one shot. Um, for, for something like that to happen. And, and with, with the formulas, I would imagine, Stephen, that the, that, that would slightly throw them out of sync uh, for the time being, but I would imagine that it would probably, um, it would probably uh, roll back into, into some semblance of normality soon. But as I say, hope that we still continue to win. One nils uh, count as much at the end of the year as seven twos. Uh, and, I, and I think that's a, a lot of the time. Uh, I think that that's you know when you look at XG, XA, and all that kind of stuff, that uh, it, it it takes into account that that a one 0 win is just as valuable as a as a seven seven two win as well. I would imagine. Um, am I talking rubbish there, or is that is, is that something that 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 you feel will be built into those those uh, models? No, yeah, that, that that's pretty spot on. And just to pick up on your point that a one 0 win means as much as a seven two. I think based on the confidence of the team, that's really the case this season. I think the 7-2 against Liverpool will give the players so much confidence going into Leicester, Leeds, Southampton, Arsenal and all the games ahead. But that 1-0 against Sheffield United, I feel that was so huge. Um, If after the early red card and all the chances we'd had, uh, we went on to draw that 0-0 or even lose it 1-0 had the penalty gone in. Um, I think that would have been a real blow to the players uh, in the first game of the season. But I, I think that 1-0 was absolutely massive for us. For, Fulham, I was pretty confident with. Um, mm. Pretty much coasted through that one. Um, but again, the Liverpool game, it, it is an outlier. It doesn't seem right. It, it's still hard to believe that we actually beat Liverpool 7-2. Um, 
But in, in terms, if, if anyone had any statistical model that predicted Villa to be Liverpool 7-2, then they're either some sort of absolute genius that can see into the future or their model is completely wrong. Yeah. Or they broke into somebody's LSD cabinet by mistake and... Uh... <laughs> and took, the wrong, took the wrong pills yeah um i was watching as i myself and paddy did a a podcast a, a directly after the game and the two of us were slightly inebriated i think is is probably the politically correct term to use put it this way we wouldn't have been able to drive uh heavy machinery or any any motorized vehicles we had we had a few uh few adult beverages i think is 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 probably the best thing to say but like i was watching it and and my my better half uh, videoed me some of my reactions to the goals. I, I just couldn't talk. Like I like there was there was one goal. I think it was Grealish's for for the six two, and I just literally went. I goes another massive deflection. This is what success must feel like. And and I literally just I I couldn't couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure out what was happening. Um, but yeah, as I say, it was one of those uh those, those just those crazy nights that, and thankfully it's us that gets to gets to experience it because for the last ten years we haven't really experienced much uh, in the way of top level, um, I suppose t- top level uh, outlier performances for our team. We've experienced some some heavy drubbings to Chelsea recently in the last in, in the last decade or so, and, and it's not nice being on the on the other end of it. It's nice to be the the victors in those outliers, I suppose. Um, obviously in that game as well, Stephen, one guy that you know, if anybody listens to the podcast, knows that you predicted would be a Premier League hot shot, and you, you basically called it as 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 it's been happening. Really, Ollie Watkins has came out of the traps. Albeit he didn't score in his first two games, he really announced himself against Liverpool, and he he could have had five against Liverpool. He really could have. Um, his his movement is fantastic. His his general attitude and and there's and, and this sounds silly to say. And and as it came into my mind, I felt I had to say it. And I know it's going to sound silly, but he's got a bit of an aura about him. He's got a bit of a a professional aura about him, or an aura of um that he won't let himself not succeed. If 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 that if that makes any sense, but he was a favourite of yours. He hadn't even signed from Brentford by the time when we were last talking, Stephen. He has signed for us now. I want you to go off on a victory lap. Tell us all the good things about Ollie Watkins uh, that you you predicted, and uh, tell us about how you feel about him and 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 his the job he's doing within this team as a whole. Well, it's just so pleasing to see uh, a player that I'm such a big fan of playing for Villa and absolutely killing it. And as, as you mentioned, last time I came on here, I was uh, approaching very, very highly, not just for his goals, but for his all-round game. And I think he's, he's proved why I had so much faith in him. Obviously, he didn't score in his first two games, but in those two games, he looks like the typical striker who is... Yes, he's not scoring, but he's doing so much for the team. Um, sort of like a Bobby Firmino at Liverpool. But then he turns around and scores a hat-trick. And that, sh- that just shows... That's just Ollie Watkins for you. He's, he does so much positive for the team, holding up the ball, running in behind, linking up with the wingers, all of it, whilst also scoring so many goals. Um, and... It's it's hard to even put it into words how happy I am that he has lived 
well, obviously it's only three games in, but he hasn't disappointed me one bit uh, so far. And I just, I just really, really do hope he can keep it up. It's, it's interesting because you said that he hasn't disappointed you so far. And, and I suppose when you were on last time, you basically laid out what we should expect from Ollie Watkins. And I think that's really important as well. When you use statistical analysis, it gives you a feeling for what this player does. And if you're, if, if you're looking at a player, if you're looking at what Ollie Watkins to be the guy, that, a, a target man up top that holds the play up and, and brings everybody into play, you might be a bit disappointed if you're looking at for Ollie Watkins to drag people out to the side, create running lanes from the middle of, middle of, uh, of midfield, uh, allow Jack Grealish to cut in from the outside, uh, a guy that runs across defenders or maybe runs backwards into, into the back post or holds his runs at the, at, the, at the penalty spot. That's what you're looking for. So statistical analysis, as we say, it's not the be-all and end-all, but it can give you a, a, a kind of a snapshot of what you should be expecting of this player. And you mentioned that he hasn't disappointed you so far. And I remember the last time you were on, you said, Stephen, that he, he has a multitude of... I'm, I'm trying to remember what the statistic was. It was he had gotten into more potential scoring positions than any other player in the championship and it, it wasn't even close. Um, am, am I right in saying that? I think that's, that's what the, the statistic was for him. Um, was, was it his touches in the box? It could have been his touches in the box, yeah, and, and the touches in the box that had potential scoring opportunities from them. And although while he didn't convert those scoring chances, uh, coming from the a winger's position that he was previously and only playing something like 38 games or 30, I think it was 39 games as, as, a, as a full-blown striker, it was really encouraging. And, and, and we're seeing him now, uh, I suppose, growing upon that. And, and yeah, he did have one or two chances he probably could have stuck in the first, first game or two. But like everything he did against Liverpool was absolutely flawless. Uh, against Liverpool, that that was sort of the the complete centre forwards performance. Um, and ju- just to look at his expected goals, um, if you look at the players that have only played three games, there's Sadio Mane, then him. Um, and if, if if I take it per ninety, um, looking at players that have played at least say two hundred and fifty minutes. Uh, of the possible 360. Um, there's Sadio Mane, Tammy Abraham. In fact, Tammy Abraham's only on 206. So it's Sadio Mane, then Ollie Watkins. Um, touches in the penalty area. Um, it is Jack Grealish, Sadio Mane, Ollie Watkins. Um, and just the positions he's getting into, it Yes, yes, he's not going to score a hat-trick every game, but actually, three, three goals is his expected goals. And if you look at all competitions, actually, he's got he's got five goals this season, I think, or is it four? Right. Yeah, I think he scored in two. Scored two goals in the in the what's it called? In the League Cup. Carabao Cup, yeah. whatever it's called, yeah, yeah, entry against Liverpool. So it's, it's five goals this season, and um, in all competitions, his expected goals is five to two decimal places um so he's absolutely bang on and it's not just a not just a goal scoring burst but that is just him mm-hmm. um and e- everything that he's been doing how fantastic it's been to watch him in his start for Aston Villa the numbers 
back it up and the numbers are him and the numbers aren't totally different from how he was in the championship. Um, they're, they're just Ollie Watkins. Um, and it, it's, it's hard to be negative about him because e- even if you were the most pessimistic Villa fan on the planet, um, it's even even when you try and find something that he's doing wrong, it's so difficult. Um, and it, it, it would take you hours, <laughs> probably, to look at every touch he's made um, and find maybe three where he's made a mistake because uh, he's just been immaculate. And I really do hope he keeps it up. Mm, absolutely. Uh, I, I liked his his after-game interview, post-game interview with Liverpool, where he was... And I know media training is an awful lot with this, that you always downplay your performance. You're only as good as your last game, but you never want to tell anyone that you were ever any good. But he actually could have scored five. And he mentioned it. He said, yeah, I got three, but you know, I'm a bit disappointed that last one came off the crossbar. And uh, he was one-on-one with, uh, with Adrian as well uh, earlier on in the game. You know, he holds himself to a standard. It's fantastic. He he comes across as a really down to earth guy. Um, like you hear the stories previously about him that he he refused moves out of Exeter, uh, for a year previous. So the year previous, that when he moved to Brentford, he was offered a move to to somebody I can't remember who it was. He refused it because he felt he still had a lot more to learn at that level. And obviously, he's not a guy who wants to catapult himself into the spotlight. He wants to get there on merits and, and earning it, and he wants to have longevity in the spotlight, as opposed to that guy who comes up and has his two years and then warms the bench and, and doesn't grow and learn through the process. So he's, uh, it's fantastic. And, and I've said it a couple of times, uh, this team is very much, we've got a, a coach, a head coach who has done his apprenticeship through the leagues, uh, coaching apprenticeship through the leagues. And yes, it's not, wasn't pretty at times last year, but learning on the job at the top level, we've got players who are doing that as well. And for me, that's, that's, that's how you build culture. You know, that's how you build culture. Um, and, and it's fantastic to see. It would be interesting, I think, Stephen, I think later on in the year, we're definitely going to get you back on again because I would be interested to know with a bigger sample set of Ollie Watkins as to how pivotal his game is to, from a statistical point of view, to actual Villa's output as well. Because uh, I suppose one of the biggest things at the moment, and we, we'll talk about it later on, but one of the biggest things at the moment is <laughs> if he gets injured, what the hell happens? You know, where do we go from there? Do we have to completely change things up? And we'll, we'll talk about maybe potential transfers in a moment. But there's another guy I want to talk about here in the barnstorming game against, uh, against Liverpool. Another guy who could have had a hat-trick. Really, probably should have had a hat-trick. And, and, and you know, the goal he did score was the most difficult and it took another wicked deflection. But uh, Ross Barkley, um, I think if you were to offer me Ross Barkley at the start of the, uh, start of the transfer window, I would have had to write down a pros and cons list on Ross Barkley. Um, as the as the transfer window went on, I became very much pro Ross, Ross Barkley because uh, I suppose uh, I think he's look. I, I, he's his age uh, category, the category of his age, what he does in the field, and 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 the height that he brings to that midfield. I think there's there's lots of lots um, of things to like about Ross Barkley, and he had a great game against Liverpool. Uh, what's your views on him? You know, he had a lovely debut, as I say, but what's his, uh, does he float your boat? Is he somebody that you're, you're happy to see within the team? Yeah, um, I'm very, very, very happy 
with the signing. I think um, Barkley, obviously, in the last few seasons at Chelsea, hasn't been what the Chelsea, anyone involved with Chelsea would have hoped. Um, obviously, when he arrived from Everton, uh, he joined as one of the best players in the league at that point. Yeah. And it didn't work out for Chelsea. But I don't think that means he's done. Uh, I don't think he got given enough chances at Chelsea. If you look at his numbers while he was there, uh, creatively, and in terms of his ball carrying, uh, and his pass completion as well, he was very, very effective. Um, he maybe didn't score as many goals as, mm-hmm. as you'd like. Um, he, didn't, he didn't play as much of a hand in... Chelsea's team as they would have liked but he was in my opinion still good enough for Chelsea and if you're good enough for Chelsea then you're good enough to play for Aston Villa um, while we may be above them in the table for now I'd be, I'd be very very shocked and delighted if that was the case at the end of the season um, but I, I just think he, he fits into the template Villa midfielder um, being such a strong ball carrier who likes to get into the box, he likes to take shots, he likes to create and I, I tweeted when, when we signed him that um, if you look at his numbers uh, as a central or attack midfielder um, he's very, very similar to Jack Grealish and thinking about the signing of Barkley to me, as, as I tweeted it seems like he gives us in the midfield what we miss from not having Grealish in the midfield. Um, and it's and it's almost as if we get the best of both worlds with Grealish on the wing and Barkley in the midfield. Um, so it's it's really it got me very, very excited. Uh, when, when I first heard the name, I was like, all right, I need I need to take a look. Um, because obviously it hasn't hasn't worked out for him at Chelsea. But as I started to look at his numbers, started to think about the way he plays and the way he would fit in at Villa, I very quickly saw why Johan Lang and the Villa, the Villa top dogs um, were interested in bringing him in. Uh, and I think it, he'll do very, very well here. That's you know that that kind of sums up my my views as well. You mentioned they're the best of both worlds of having, you know, two Jack Grealishes. Jesus, that makes a uh, makes you know. That makes my 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 heart kind of sing when I hear stuff like that because it's it's often being thrown out that where's Jack Grealish's best position and you even see it with his England performances or, and and what's the story with England at the moment that he's just so damn good you could play him anywhere. Jack Grealish is so good. Like the straw argument, the straw man argu- argument that you see online is that well he's not better than than Sterling or Sancho, so he shouldn't be in the team. But Jack Grealish can play centrally. He can play in the Perlow role. He can play out wide. He could bloody play him up as a false nine up front. Jack Grealish mm. is like is like Fabregas in his in his pomp. You could play Fabregas anywhere across that middle four. And he did play and won a World Cup, I think, with, with Spain as a false nine up front. Jack Grealish mm. is he transcends position. And and this isn't me being hyperbolic at all. This is it's just he's that good. He's fantastic. And having been having the luxury of being able to put him out in the wing on a Let's call it a spade a spade. If he's able to stand up there and if he's able to give Trent Alexander-Arnold all he can actually take uh, and, and more, 
on, on that. Like he made him look bang average. And that's not me, you know, giving out about Trent Alexander-Arnold. Everybody has a game like that in them. And when things aren't going right and you're trying to push to get goals to bring yourself back into the game, those spaces are going to open up. But Trent is, is, is I suppose, he's, he's probably universally seen as the best or in the top three best right backs in the world. Uh, and Jack Grealish was able to nullify him early um, causing problems and then when he pushed forward to try and rescue the game for Liverpool which Liverpool's fullbacks absolutely have to do um, Jack was there he was able to get in behind behind him and stuff like that so having that and, and as you say having another one or even maybe if it's only 8%, 80% of Jack Grealish running through the centre that's that's really 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 heartwarming to be able to to see that the numbers stack up on that, on that level it's a hell of a lot better than my reasoning for wanting Jack Barkley or, or uh, Ross Barkley in the team because he's 6'2 and I think we needed a bit more height in midfield and he loves the tackling. He's got that scouser kind of uh, grit and determination about him. You even see it in his face. He's up for a fight. That was my reasoning for having, uh, for having Ross Barkley in there. And, uh, you know, I was thinking it's going to be a rebuilding job from his Chelsea, from the time of Chelsea when he had less minutes. It's going to be, be up to us to rebuild him to his Everton days. And it took what? The bones 15 minutes to get him back into that marauding <laughs> central midfield role. So... You know, that's good. The numbers are stacking up from what we see on the pitch. I think it would be great. But once again, I do want to caveat at it with, and I'm sure you'll agree, Stephen, that the, the sample size is small um, for, him, for him in an Aston Villa shirt. So we're not going to we're not going to um, anoint him as the new David Platt just yet. But uh, <laughs> we'll go a long way to doing it. We'll enjoy it. We'll enjoy his performance while we can, for sure. Um, transfers. Stephen, do you think we'd be active between now and Friday? I think it is. Yeah, Friday, the, the 16th. Do you think we'd be anyway active in the transfer market, maybe bringing in someone from lower divisions? Um, well, I've seen this. The two players I've seen this linked with um, are Ben Rama from uh, David Ornstein this morning. And uh, obviously Josh King is one that hasn't really gone away mm-hmm. all window. Um, and... Ben Rama is someone that I've uh, spoken about on my Twitter account quite a lot. Um, he's, he's someone who I've, I've wanted us to bring in uh, for a very, very long time, even, an even longer time than Arnie Watkins. Um, and if that went through, even for another 30 million fee that's being talked about, uh, obviously he's most clo- closely linked with West Ham. Um, but even for another 30 million fee, I would be over the moon uh, if we go inside Ben Rama and Josh King also, obviously you mentioned um, a while ago about Ollie Watkins and if he got injured, what would happen then? What would we do? Um, I think Josh King could maybe be that player. Um, I don't think he offers everything Ollie Watkins offers. I don't think he's as, as rounded as a, of a player, um, but certainly I think he's a player who, can score goals and link play, get involved. Um, and while Watkins would still be a good miss, if we did a big miss, sorry, um, if we did have Josh King in there as a backup option, um, it would soften the blow. Yeah. And the, of those two players that you mentioned, I'd love both of them. Um, I really would. Uh, like if we had to prioritize either of the two. I'm thinking I come down the side of Josh King as well because I'm just not sure that side Ben Rama will be able to like yes he does go out and he, he 
would be a wing player for us. And, and I've just waxed lyrically about, yes, you could play Jack in false nine up front, but I don't want him playing there fast and Villa. I want him in, in the roles whereby he can attack facing the goals as opposed to having his back to the goals at any given time. I never want to see Jack Grealish with his back to the goal because that nullifies him. Um, I'm just kind of, as I say, I, I would love both of them. It would be fantastic to have a bench and to look down and see, say, Ben Rama, um, Josh King, uh, Bertrand Trore, or uh, Trezeguet. You know, the attacking options there would be absolutely mind-boggling, you know, for Dean Smith. And, and we would be in a position to change games like Liverpool were against us last year, like Chelsea were against us last year, like United were against us last year, like Spurs were against us last year, like Arsenal were against us last year. And there's no coincidence that... I'm naming teams that have relative modicums of success over the last, well, some more so than others, but you know what I'm getting at? Like perennial successful teams there have benches that they can turn to in their times of need and bring on a Pulisic, bring on a Lacazette, bring on a, you know, um, a Pogba even, you know, time to time. It's, it, it's fantastic that if you look at Villa that they can bring on these fair players that can actually turn the game around. Um, for me, I would probably err on the side. I, as I say, I would like both. Uh, but if I had to, if I had uh, a specific budget, uh, I probably would go with Josh King because I am really worried about what happens if Ollie Watkins is out. If you bring in someone like Josh King, he is a pseudo forward, inside forward, wingers type player who could go up front, has a good international pedigree and could play that role for a number of weeks if we were stuck. I just don't think Keenan Davis can play the exact role that Ollie Watkins can play plays a completely different role. And I think that's to be expected considering his size, his speed, and his, just his physical attributes. And I certainly don't think Wesley can play that game when he comes back. Um, not that we're going to have him back until January. So I think from that point of view, while I would like to have both of them in my team, and I, and I suppose I shouldn't rule out the fact that Bertrand Trory has a pretty decent record up top as well. I'm kind of talking myself in and out of which one I prefer now. <laughs> Give me both of them. <laughs> but if I had to, I would go with Josh King. But I, I, I am after just stumbling on something there. Do you think it is a? Do you think it is a viable option that Bertrand Troy is our substitute striker at the moment? Uh, if we need to change things up, or is he solely a wing player for us? Um, well, when we were first linked and when we first signed him, and even today, uh, I think. For us, he's a winger uh, rather than a centre forward. I think he's just just the, the way he plays. You know, he's a ball carrier. He likes to run in behind. Uh, he likes to do that in the wide areas. I don't think he's a clinical finisher. I don't think he's. I can't think of a good word for it, but I think he's a little bit of a clumsy player from what I've seen them. Um, and I don't think that's what you want from your centre forward. And I don't think he's got that physicality to drop off and link play in turn. Um, I think he's much more of a fast sort of put it in his path and he'll run onto it um, and then either cross it in or cut in and have a shot on his strong foot. Um, and that, that's another thing as well. Um, he's, when you watch him, he's very obviously uh, left-footed. Yeah. Um, and if um, it's the, the 91st minute and we're drawing one all with um, leads and Matty Cash whips a great ball across the six-yard box, you don't want Bertrand Traore to be tripping over on his right foot um, 
and cutting us that opportunity. Um, I, I, I would want our backup striker to be a natural centre forward. You're underestimating his ability to do a little Rabona or something like that as the cross comes through and, uh, you know, cross his legs <laughs> over and, uh, and have one of the spectacular finishes. Um, but I, I, I definitely get what you're saying there, that when somebody's you know, heavily favours, the left foot, I suppose, in particular, um, you know, uh, and I don't even know why I said that. I suppose maybe because there's less left footers out there, especially left footers playing on the right wing and stuff like that. But, you know, if that cross is coming in from the right wing where we do cross a lot of balls from, we tack more probably down the left wing with Jack because he, he draws players to him and it creates options in the centre and ball comes back to Douglas Louise and, and to Ross Barkley and so it did come back into the centre a bit more. But the latent crosses from deep do come in from the right-hand side. And if you've got someone on the left hand, uh, a left-footed player in there and if they have to let the ball come across their body, um, anything could happen You know, from that point. Mm-hmm. I'm oversimplifying it. I would imagine that uh, he would definitely swing a right boot at it at some stage and see what happens or maybe go on his head. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying altogether. Um, yeah, uh, I as I say, I'm I'm absolutely I'm I'm absolutely delighted with 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 you know with the the, the start of the season. Um, absolutely delighted with the business the Villa have done, and hopefully they do bring somebody in. As I say, you mentioned that uh, that Villa us Villa fans we always have this this modicum of kind of uh, apprehension about about the but something bad is going to happen. And I, I kind of, I'm probably coming from that point of view when I talk about what happens if, if Ali Watkins goes down. I think it's a valid thing to, to, to kind of discuss, but uh, um, it's, it's, it's definitely something to kind of think about. And I think that it would be interesting to see what, what direction we go over the next few days if we do bring in somebody um, to come into that team to, to maybe anchor that, that, that forward position as a, as a secondary option, as maybe a bench player or maybe somebody that could come in and could, could, uh, could light it up, you know, if we were to bring him on for the last 20 minutes and shift Watkins out to the right wing and, and see what way it goes. Options, 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 I think is what I'm looking for here. Uh, anything else, Stephen, that you want to want to regale us of from a statistical point of view with this fantastic Aston Villa start that we've seen? I, th- I think I've pretty much said my piece. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, um, as I said, thank you so much, Stephen, for, for popping on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, you know, I could have got on for another hour or two there. Uh, if I just if I was just prepared enough to write down topics, I know that you would have been able to bring the goods uh, for anything that I asked you about there. Sorry for putting you on the spot at the end. Uh, but if anybody, as I say, if you aren't following Stephen on at Villa Analytics, get in there. Uh, the tweets are just basic factual based stuff. You know, you won't be able to to um, quibble with them. They're based in fact, they're based in numbers and and they may open people's eyes to a lot of things that maybe we don't see on the field, me included. There's there's a couple of couple of tweets I've seen from 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 Stephen that have really kind of allowed me to kind of sit back and maybe contemplate as to maybe mm, maybe I'm a bit harsh in this player or maybe I'm over um I'm I'm overly happy with this player or so on. But definitely follow Stephen and Anfield Analytics. It's patronizing me even saying it because of the follower base that he has, but do it if you aren't already. Um thanks everybody. Thanks so much for um for for everything you've done for me you know following the podcast following paddy who's subscribing to the podcast downloading the podcast listening to the podcast everything um it's been an emotional week since we beat liverpool 7-2 uh, the highs the lows the hangover everything was uh, everything took a couple of more days to get used to um <laughs> i think i've just about taken off the sunglasses after the hangover um of beating liverpool 7-2 but thanks everybody for for all the interaction in the meantime um we have Leicester, as I say, next Sunday 
at uh, I think it's a late game again, Stephen, isn't it? I think it's like quarter past seven game, um, or something like that. It's 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 a late enough game, uh, next Sunday, mm-hmm. and, and we'll be hoping that we can continue our good form and catch Leicester in the long grass, keep our 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 uh, triumphant charge towards the title going because we are um we are the the winners elect. The champions elect of the Premier League at the moment. Uh, we beat the champions. That means we have the title. It's the exact same thing as as boxing. You know, you beat the title holder, you win the title. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly how it works. That, that's that's how <laughs> that's how I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got a target in our back, and hopefully we keep it going against a well-marshaled Brendan Rodgers Leicester team who've started the season in good good form, considering that they were poor after lo- after they came back from lockdown. Um. So as I say, thank you everybody. Thank you very much to Stephen. And uh, say give him a follow and we'll be back to you, I suppose, probably before the Leicester game. But in the meantime, all that's left to say is up the villa. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.